Well, moms, I want to tell you, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I pray that today is an extra special day for you. It was about a year and a half ago that that my mom uh, transitioned out of this life uh, to the presence of the Lord. And my mom, uh, if I could describe her in three words, it would be she was feisty, she was independent, and she was strong-willed. That's just kind of the way she was. And to raise two boys, uh, she had to be that way. And I can remember... My mom, though, and I, I remember being little, I, I was kind of rambunctious. I would be all, always outside playing. I remember a neighbor friend of mine, and we were playing out in the front yard, and we were playing football, and we decided to add a little uh, pizzazz to the game, so we cut the sprinkler on, so we would like we were playing in the rain. Well, sure enough, what happened, I stumbled, I hit his head, split my chin open, and I, I just cover it like that, and I go in. I, I haven't seen myself, and I, Mom's in the kitchen. I said, Mom... I think I hurt my chin, and by this time, blood is all running down my neck, and uh, you can imagine mom freaking out, scoops me up. we got to go get stitches, so uh, we made that happen. I had another time where something very similar, but the, instead of my chin, it was my eye. Hit somebody else and split the, my eye open, covered up. Mom, I, you know, blood's all over my face. I, I think I'm hurt, and she would have to go do that. But my, one of my favorites with my mom, though, and I can tell all these stories now, is that when uh, we had a, a field just beyond our house just a little bit, and I would go out there and play all the time, and uh, crawling around, there was trees, mesquite trees were out there, and I'm crawling around one day out there in the field playing, and uh, sure enough, a mesquite branch had fallen down, a mesquite thorn penetrates my knee and gets in there, but I'm not going to stop, I'm going to continue to play, and and just go on playing and everything. Well, at the end of the day, it's starting to be sore and it's red and festering up. And I go and tell my mom, I say, Mom, I got a sticker in my knee. And it's a mosquito thorn, but I got a sticker in my knee. And so what does mom do? She grabs the alcohol, grabs the needle, starts digging in my knee to try to get that uh, mosquito thorn out of there. And I'm fidgety. I'm screaming. I don't want that. It hurts. It hurts. And then uh, mom says this, and this is a great mom line. She said, if I don't get that thorn out of there, you could get blood poisoning and die. And at that point, I'm saying, get it out then. And, and uh, truth, the rest of the story is she did not get it out. It took a year later for that thing to finally get out. But th- that was just some of what my mom went through. But, you know, when I, as a young boy, came under conviction of the Holy Spirit that there was a God who loved me, but my sin had separated me from him, I went to my mom and who I talked to initially about helping me find the way to find forgiveness and salvation. Moms, so many of you have the opportunity. Yeah, your kids are going to drive you crazy. Some of them right now you just want to take out because you've been with them too long. But you have the opportunity to love them into the kingdom and show them the way. And today that's what we're talking about because Jesus said, I am the way. And in John chapter 14 is where we're going to be looking today in verses 1 through 6. But before we get to John 14, I have to back up into John chapter 13. Because you see, John 13 through John 17 is what we call the upper room discourse. In other words, Jesus is speaking very intimately to his disciples. No longer are there big crowds. No longer is he talking to the masses. He is very intimate in talking to his disciples because he is about to leave this earth. And in John chapter 13, he's washed their feet. They have participated in the Passover meal. They have uh, uh, they have 
uh, participated in all the Jewish ceremony that was be with the Passover, but he also introduced to them a new covenant that was going to be taking place. But he laid some heavy stuff on them all of a sudden, and there were four things that he laid on them. One was that he was about to die and about to go. Secondly, he was going to be telling them that all of them would leave him. Thirdly, he would be telling them that one of them in the intimate circle here would be the one that would betray him. And then fourthly, he calls out Peter and he says that Peter will deny him that he even knows him three times by the time the cock crows or the sun would rise the next day, that he would deny he even knew Jesus three times. And so he lays this heaviness on them all, all of a sudden. And, 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 uh, I thought about that. I thought, what did those guys think? They they thought, man, my dreams have died. Uh, all the comfort that I thought was going to be there. My future is uncertain. Uh, there's a lack of control. I'm no longer in control. They're feeling all of these things. Now, we pick it up right in John chapter 14. Now, you got to understand that the original scriptures were not written with chapter breaks. That has been added uh, so that we can find places So it goes right into John chapter 14. So it makes sense as I read it. So let me read uh, verses 1 through 6. Jesus speaking. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And then Thomas speaks up. Don't you love Thomas? I've talked to groups before and everybody's shaking their head like in agreement. And it's not going in there. Thomas is one that raises his hand and said, I don't get it. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going How can we know the way? And then verse 6, Jesus says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Man, that's one of the most golden passages in all the scriptures as he talks to his disciples about this. But you can see how he starts out there. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. He's just laid all this heavy stuff on them. The word troubled literally means agitated or confused or uncertain. And uh, it would describe a little bit of the time we're living in right now, this uncertainty uh, of where we are. Now, it's a little bit different because they were talking about life and death here, but we live in an agitated day. We live in an uncertain day. We live in a, a troubled day, confused day. And so uh, when he speaks to the disciples here, we can really resonate with our own spirits today as well. And then... But there's three things I want to lay on you about if we are going to work through these troubled hearts that so often we have. The first one is this. You can write this down. Remember who you know. Remember who you know. Um, Jesus said this in verse 1 there. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. The word believe there is a is an ongoing uh, verb. So it's keep on believing. Keep on believing in me. Keep on trusting. Keep on knowing me. You know God, keep on knowing me as well. And so the first thing we need to, to realize is remember who you know. He was talking to the disciples. And who did they know? 
Well, they knew the Son of God. They knew Jesus. Not about Him, but they knew Him. In fact, Jesus had said um, right in, in John 1.18, right off the very beginning in, the John, in John, He said that He came to reveal the Father to mankind. So that's why Jesus came. It was in the Old Testament, it was David's cry. In Psalm 42, he said, As the deer pants for the water's brook, so I long for you. It was that wanting to know God. And Jesus comes along and he reveals God to mankind. And Paul, on into the New Testament, when he wrote his letter to the church in Philippi, he said to them, he said, that I, I consider it all loss. Everything is loss. So that I can know Him. You see, that's what it's all about. It's about knowing Him. And Jesus is saying, listen, are you going to get through troubled times? It's going to be that you remember who you know. And uh, we cannot know Him without revelation. And that's why Jesus came to reveal Christ to us. And And please understand, everybody knows about Jesus. They know Him as a historical figure. But do you know him as the Son of God, as your Savior? There was a dear saintly old lady, Ron Mel tells this story, and he said this dear saintly old lady loved the Lord tremendously, and her favorite verse was 2 Timothy 1.12. And it says this, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him, Against that day. That was her favorite verse. She knew she had trusted the Lord with everything. Well, as age kept crept in and, and some uh, dementia had crept in, that verse that she had so put to heart in memory became a little fuzzy. And she would s- still remember, but in a weak voice, she would say something like, I know whom I have believed. He is able to keep what I committed to him. And she, certain words would trail off. And then as she got weaker and weaker, she she hung up on that phrase, what I committed to him. And then as she got even weaker, that she was going to sink into unconsciousness, the only thing she could remember of the verse was him. And she said, him, 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 as she eventually drifted off and went into the presence of the Lord. You see, that is what it's all about. It is knowing him. You know, so much of religion, we say, is man trying to reach God. But what Jesus did is so he reached down so that we could know him. Do you know him today? Remember who you know. Well, secondly, Jesus goes on. And the second point is this. Remember where you'll go. If you're going to get through trouble times, remember where you go. This is not home. This is not the place that we're going to spend all all of eternity. And Jesus said this, in my father's house. I love that. I love that he calls the place of afterlife for us as believers his father's house. He doesn't call it heaven here. Sometimes we have a vague concept of heaven. But when he calls it his father's house, man, we can we can identify with that. We can identify, especially when we had moved away from home, maybe for the first time, and we were able to come back to home where mom's cooking is and dad may be there or whatever. It felt so familiar. It felt like that place that we belong. And that is what Jesus has laid out. He's laid out an intimate relationship with our Father. And He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. 
in many rooms. And then he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. And I've gone to prepare a place for you. Now, many people, uh, the King James Version of the Bible called rooms mansions. And many people got hung up on that and say, oh, I can't wait to get my mansion. And I don't want to... Uh, get you in a despair here too much, but the literal word is rooms. The literal word is apartments. But let me explain to you what the picture here is that Jesus has given us. It's a picture of a, a Middle Eastern type of wedding situation. Um, in the wedding, there would be a uh, proposal. There, Most of them would be betrothals, but they would ray, uh, come to that certain age where the young man would go to the dad and there would be a proposal made. Second, after the proposal, there would be a purchase that the young man actually gives money so that he can marry that young man's wife. And also the young lady may have a dowry that they can start their home on, but there would be a purchase. Thirdly, there would be a parting. The, the groom would leave and then while he leaves, what he is doing is he is in preparation. He is preparing. So what literally is happening is a father would allow his son to build on an extra room to their house so he could go and get his bride and they would come back and live at the father's house in their own apartment, so to speak, so they would be close to the father. So that's what Jesus is showing here. And while the groom is away preparing, the bride is also preparing, but she is preparing herself in purity so that when the time the groom comes to get her, he, she will be ready. And what will happen is, is there will be a partnership that's developed. So what the groom does, he goes away, he builds the room on his father's house, and then he comes back and then somebody runs ahead of his entourage and says, the, the groom is coming, the groom is coming, and so the bride is prepared for when the groom comes to get her. Now, this is an incredible picture, and I hope you can get it, of what Jesus has done. First of all, Jesus has given us a proposal. Come to me. Come to me. He's, he's saying, come to me. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He makes a proposal to us. Secondly, there's a purchase that has been made. That purchase was made in his own blood on the cross. As they killed him, he paid the complete ransom for the wrath of God for the sake of mankind. And he purchased that debt we can never pay. Thirdly, he left. We know he departed and he went back to the father. And he told us right here, he is preparing a place for us, for those that are called his bride, the church. He is preparing a place for us. And that while he is gone preparing, the church is, is cleaning herself up to prepare for her groom in purity. And then we will live in partnership with him. Isn't that an incredible picture of what he's painting here? Listen, this is not home. We are passing through. The, our bridegroom is coming back for his bride, the church. And he says that. He says, I, if I have gone away to prepare this place, I will come again and will take you to myself. Now, He's probably referring to one of two things, which we understand. One would be that the rapture of the church, that Christ will come back for his bride, the church, on, on that day of culmination. But also, we know that uh, if he doesn't return, all these earth suits will give out. And uh, part of that is he's coming for us. He is coming for us. Isn't that good to know that not only who we know, but where we will go. 
And we have to be careful, though, in that we think so often it's about the mansion. It's not about the mansion. It's about the Father's house to be close to Him. So it's who you know. It's where you will go. And Jesus deals with one other thing, and that's this. Remember what He will show. He goes on to, as he inquires with, as Thomas inquires of him, Jesus says in verse six, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He didn't show a way. He showed the way. And many people are going to say, man, that's pretty narrow minded uh, for him to say that. You know, if there was only one cure to a disease, And a guy said, I have the cure, but he didn't give you the cure. He started batting around and said, well, you may want to go to other doctors first. I wouldn't like that doctor very much. I would want him to tell me the way. When we have a sin problem that has separated us from God, and there is only one answer for 7 billion people on this planet, I want a Savior who's willing to tell me that this is the way. In fact, Jesus didn't ever beat around the bush. He said, there is a wide gate and an easy path that leads to destruction, and those that find it are many. But he said, there is a narrow gate and a hard path that leads to life, and those that find it are few. See, Jesus didn't soft sell anything. You know what a soft sell is? A soft sell is a method of salesmanship or advertising that uses subtle persuasion. I'm trying to talk you into it. Jesus didn't talk anybody into anything. He just proclaimed truth and he said, I am the way and you need to follow me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And here's the deal. These claims and statements of Jesus make everybody have to stop and look at it. What really is he saying? He left no doubt He didn't say, oh, if you do this, but he didn't leave a to-do list. What he left, what his very life on a cross, he raised from the dead and he left his Holy Spirit for us so that we could live this life out. He gave himself and only through him can we find true life. We struggle with that, though, because we think it is so narrow minded. But let me tell you, Jesus didn't come to soft sell. Jesus came to turn us into world changers. That's what he came to do. He came to challenge us in deep ways so that we could be world changers. I'm reminded of the story that came out in Bloomberg Game Changers in 2010 when he did an, he did a, a, a 30 minute segment on Stephen Jobs. And you know who Steve Jobs is. Steve Jobs was the Apple guru who brought them to to such uh, fame as Apple, and everybody has Apple products today and know who Steve Jobs is. But back in the day when uh, Apple was trying to get going and they had some so many struggles, they knew they needed to bring somebody in that was strong as a marketing kind of person to make things happen. So Steve Jobs went to the best, and the people that were doing the best marketing at that time was a guy by the name of John Scully who was with PepsiCo. And he, he, he raised Pepsi to an all incredible level. And John Scully was in New York and, and Steve Jobs went out there to, uh, see John Scully, he made an appointment. He went into Scully and he began to talk to Scully about coming to work for Apple. And Scully said, listen, I have all of this in New York. I have an incredible office that oversees everything. 
And then what Scully, what Jobs told Scully, he said this. He said, do you want to sell sugar water the rest of your life or do you want to come with me and change the world? And Scully said something kicked him in the gut at that point and he went out to be with Apple and we know where Apple is today. Here's the deal. Jesus didn't say, hey, I came that you may feel good. I came so that you will have everything easy. He came to give his life for salvation, to bring you forgiveness so that you could be a world changer. Listen, God is wanting to do great things in our lives. In a day of what seems trouble, Jesus' words echo. He says, do not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he's gone to prepare a place for us. But ultimately, he says this, listen, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Many of you remember the movie Blindside and the Tui family that took on Michael Orr uh, to be with them. It's, it came out in 2010 as well. It was Sandra Bullock got an Academy Award. But there was something that took place, and Sean Tui, the son, was giving a talk at a, at a college campus. And he said there was two things, two words that changed their whole family. And he said they were, they had crossed Michael Orr. He had shorts on and a t-shirt. And he was out in the freezing cold. And as they drove by him, he said, my mom said the two words that changed their family forever. She said this, turn around. And I think those could be the words that maybe some of you need to hear today because you're trying to do it on your own. And Jesus said, I am the way. And maybe you need to hear the words today. Listen, turn around. Come, encounter Jesus today, especially if your heart is troubled. Come to know him. Let me pray with you. Father, today we have come and we have opened your word. And Father, you were, you were so right on that you are the way, the truth, and the life. But Lord, teach us how to lovingly proclaim the gospel in a day when there's much uncertainty, much agitation, and we just need you. So Lord, help us by your spirit, I pray. And Father, I pray for the one today that is searching. Lord, please let them know that you are real and you have prepared a place for them as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.